Welcome to a very seasonal McGeppin' Fries movie chat yes. show podcast. Yes, thingy. Merry fucking Christmas, everyone. <laughs> well, you're not very much full of Christmas cheer. I hate Christmas, dude. Christmas sucks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the time when you're kind of forced to be nice to people and just fucking you know give them shit. And it's one of those things if you go to someone's like house and you give you can't give one person something, you got to get something for everyone. Or something. Or doesn't bring anything for anyone. I just buy I just buy a bunch of perishables. Perishables, you know. It's like. Whatever. Here's some soap. On a rope. There you go. Anyway, welcome to the McGappin' Fries movie podcast. <laughs> I mean. I'm Gavin. And, uh, yeah, we got we got a pretty uh, review-loaded episode today. I'm going to be reviewing Tusk, Gone Girl. And um, we'll finish off with a um, tag team review of The Hobbit, Battle and, of the Five Armies. And I'll also review The Babadook. The Babadook. The Babadook. Such a great name. It sounds like it sounds like a doo-wop song, you know, doesn't it? It's not that at all. No, it's not that at all. Don't go in expecting that. Scared the shit out of William Friedkin. Yeah, who's a terrible marketing guy. But we'll get to that later. If you agree, disagree, argue anything with anything we say on the podcast, you yeah. can email us at podcast at com. And if you'd be so kind to uh, maybe like uh, give us a couple of reviews on iTunes. Like our Facebook page and all the usual crap. All that stuff. So hey. jumping straight into the biggest news that's going on, the, the, the ongoing hack of Sony by the Guardians of Peace. The Guardians of Peace. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think a lot of places are, you know, like I think Gawker have just gone through and published all sorts of things that... There's been a lot of discussion on, like, how is this different from the nude photo leak a while ago? Yeah. Or was it Fabrigate? Is that what they called it? Is that what the, they called it? Oh, the Fappening. The Fappening. Yeah. No, I, I didn't know what it was called. So... But uh, yeah, this was when uh, people like Jennifer Lawrence and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Gabriel Union yeah. all got their shit hacked and we got to see them in the nude, which... You know, I, I didn't I didn't appreciate that at all. No, and I mean that that's was absolutely horrible. <laughs> you know, goddamn these people and, who and did you that. You have to you search know, out every single one and look no at them. Have no respect for people's privacy. That's yeah. just ridiculous. I mean, it hurt, really hurt you to have to look at all those photos just for the podcast. You know, I yeah, I mean, like I was like, no, this can't be real. Oh shit, it's real. <laughs> but there's a whole different thing with Sony now because it's a corporation. Yeah, and people's social security numbers and stuff like that are hacked as well. But what's hilarious is the emails between Amy Pascal, the head of Sony Studios, and uh, Scott Rudin. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, because they're all like they're like text messages you send your buds. Yeah, and not for public consumption. It's it's gone to a point now where you know you can't even remember that all of this started because of a Seth Rogen film. Yes, you know, and and by by the way, you know, it's. This is probably one of the most genius marketing schemes ever because I had no interest in watching the interview. Yeah, but I had now, no interest. But now it's like I, I feel like I must. Yeah, it's you got to take a stand against terrorism and watch the interview. <laughs> I mean, the trailer made the film look ridiculously stupid. Yeah. I had no interest in watching it. Yeah. Then all this shit happens, you know? Uh, but the, it, it has been very embarrassing for Sony. But the real scary thing is that, you know, there were some vague threats sent to the theaters, and so a lot of the big theater changes now pulled out of showing it, so well, Sony have pulled the interview, and it's kind of set a bad precedent. Well, it started with, um, you know, uh, with some of the smaller theaters, and mm. then AMC uh, jumped on the bandwagon, and uh, the the New York premiere of the interview was cancelled. Mm-hmm. And Seth Rogen and uh, James Frank have been cancelling interviews as well. Or there was a, there was a screening, but they they pulled the press or something as well. Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, I mean, so far from what I understand, there's only been one public screening of it, and that was at uh, uh, Butnamathon, mm. um, in which it got good review. It got, mm. it got uh, pretty good 
pretty good response. Mm. I mean, for all you know, it's a pretty funny movie, but it, you know, it's just gotten to the point now where it's like, if it's anything less than, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous the amount of attention that the whole thing has gotten. Uh, but the whole thing's been very embarrassing. You get to see in detail how Sony, uh, fucked up the Steve Jobs movie. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty, pretty nuts. The kind of, what was it? One of them called, I think it was Scott Rudin called, uh, Angelina Jolie spoiled brat or something. Yes. Uh, an, an untalented spoiled, you know, spoiled brat. Yeah. Because she wanted to jump ship and do Cleopatra. And there was something along the lines of, now she wanted to steal David Fincher. To direct Cleopatra for um, did that also fuck up uh, um, Aaron Sorkin as well, right? Because Aaron Sorkin was everyone wanted him to do one movie, and he wanted to do two books instead. And yeah, there's all yeah. these arguments going around. All of there. that, all of that nonsense, and uh, you know, and <laughs> but one thing I thought uh, that was quite funny about uh, Scott Rudin's comments about you know Angelina Jolie is like. You know, is she a spoiled brat? Who knows? When you're that fucking rich, why not? She, but, seems, she seems nice. No, she seems very nice. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, aside from the fact that she won't let you near her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all good. Yeah. But um, what I found quite amusing is like, after you get done with the name calling, he's like, oh, she wants to st- fucking steal this Cleopatra. When, but she had no trouble jumping ship on that film to direct a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Um, the, you know, there was the whole thing about, uh, salaries, people's salaries were exposed, yeah. how much people got paid. Um, so j- just, development deal. you know, just, just recently, um, you know, the today, the, the, you know, uh, the today show canceled, um, an Amy Adams interview, uh, because she wasn't comfortable talking about, you know, the hacked emails that showed that she earned less than her male American hustle co-stars. Yeah. She got like way less. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I don't blame her for that. I mean, it, it does, it does kind of show how fucked up everything is and that, you know, we don't necessarily live in, you know, it's not an equal world, but it sure as hell isn't an, uh, a, a, an industry that practices equality as well. Yeah. You know, just also, um, you know, kind of loosely tying into that was that essay that Chris Rock wrote for The Hollywood Reporter where he talked about race. You know, he talked about discri- the racial discrimination in Hollywood. He did two very good uh, long-form articles. One Which for were Hollywood excellent. Reporter and one for, was it Variety or something, I think was the other one? I didn't read the Variety one. I read The Hollywood Reporter one and it was excellent. Yeah, calling it, was, it racism in Hollywood. And, yeah, I mean, it was really, really, really uh, well put and nice, very nicely written. Mm. Very intelligent. Very intelligent. And similarly, did you hear about... Um, the internal email after uh, 22 Jump Street um, surpassed Ted as the second highest grossing O-rated comedy of all time. Mm-hmm. His email just reads, Fuck you, That's all caps, by the way. <laughs> Fuck you, Ted! Second of all time, biatch! Come on, Jump Streeters, we got Kate Blanchett with this box office, bitches! And then it's just, <laughs> all in caps. Four, one, two, three, four... 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 14 scrolls. Yeah. It's just ha 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 all the way down. Well, I mean, can you imagine, like, if they, when you've had as many bombs as they've had, yeah. <laughs> and then finally something like this happens, I'd imagine you'd gloat like a mother. We're just thinking of Channing Tatum sitting there with the A and the H key hammering yeah, yeah, away yeah, for 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Miles Davis. <laughs> no, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. I mean, I, I was following it, and then after a while, I just kind of like thought, I just kind of lost interest. I mean, and also, you get kind of get the impression that that's what these people want anyway. They want the limelight. You know, they want that. And it's like, I, I've i gotten to the point now where I, I actually feel just, I just feel, feel bad for everyone involved. I mean, it's especially a, Amy Pascal. It's, it's a fucked up situation, involved, yeah. you know? And if you, if you go through the emails, she 
she did her best. Yeah. You know, she did her best to try and make the peace. And I think she said as well that she's not the victim here. She's no hassles of what she wrote. She's standing by it, apparently, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. She did send an email. There was an email uh, from her to Elizabeth Cantillon, who's the executive, former executive vice president for Columbia Pictures, who distributes the Bond movies. It just says, Idris should be the next Bond. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah, but... <laughs> this has, though, also had a chilling effect on films. Because, yes. you know, what people are... Hollywood, you know, it's a knee-jerk industry. And, yeah, uh, you know, when, if you, once you cancel one film... Over a vague threat. Over a vague threat. You know, then what's going to happen next? And also, the, uh, there was a Steve Carell thriller that was supposed to be set in China that got, you know... They, they it was Grover Binksy and Steve Carell. Yeah. Uh, it was called Pyongyang. Yeah, and they pulled the plug on that. Yeah. No. I would have liked to have seen that. And Fox said that they were just... Uh, they they hadn't got... A, nothing had been greenlit, but then he... Grover Binksy came out and said that um, Fox will no longer be distributing to that. Before to that, the film had been greenlit and fully funded. Yeah. You know, so, so his, that, that's fucked up. And then also, and this is something that is even more ridiculous, is that when they canceled the interview, the uh, the Alamo Draft House was like, all right, fuck it, we're going to, you know, in place of the interview, we're going to screen Team America. Yeah. And Paramount didn't let him. Yeah, that still would have been so awesome. I mean, come on. Like, this like, movie's been out for ages. Yeah. You know, if, if you were going to get bombed because of this movie, it would have happened years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. And that, and that to me, was actually more telling yeah. than... Than the than canceling the interview. I mean, canceling the interview, I don't agree with it, yeah. but I you know I can kind of understand where you're coming from. Not letting people screen a film that's been out for years is ridiculous. Yeah, it is completely ridiculous. And that would have been. I thought that was just so hilarious. It's like fuck it, we're gonna put on Team America. Yeah, I know. Go for it. And I thought that was genius. It's yeah. like I would have gone to see that shit. I, don't know what I, I never saw Team America on the big screen. I would have loved to have seen it on the yeah. big screen. <laughs> oh shit, hands bricks. <laughs> Did you hear as well that actually when this whole thing started, George Clooney was putting together a petition? Sorry, what? George Clooney was putting together a petition. He would, wouldn't he? He was trying to get uh, a whole load of like executives like that to say, uh, the whole petition had like the whole thing about the background of it and at the end just said like, this is why we fully support Sony's submission, su- decision not to submit to these hackers' demands. We know that to give in to these criminals now will open the door for any group that would threaten freedom of expression, privacy and personal liberty. We hope these hackers are brought to justice, but until they are, we will not stand in fear, we will stand together. And fucking no one signed it for him. No one would take that first jump. And he was saying about how, you know, he's organized telethons and all that kind of stuff before. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. usually you have to get multiple networks on board. Yeah. And once one goes, they all fall. But he yeah. couldn't get anyone on this. So. Yeah, well, it's, it's not, not just the theater chains. I mean, like, Sony has, Sony claims that they can't find a single digital distributor. They, they can't find a single v, VOD carrier to, to, to screen it. If, However, if, if only Sony had some kind of device in people's houses through which you could stream content. Which. We, and you could, it would also be a station for games. Say yes. a play station. Yes, yes. <laughs> or if there was some web by, website, you know, maybe with something with pirates involved that would, you know, yes. put it out there. Maybe. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. This is Malaysia. We're going to see it on the fucking street corner pretty soon. So. I've already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> is it good? No. <laughs> I was watching it on the bus the other day over someone's shoulder on their phone. <coughs> but yeah, we're going to get loads more from this. I mean, Gawker did go on the attack. I did look at a few of those. and they did, But they had, like, their marketing emails our marketing PowerPoints, which looked they were done, like they were done by a three-year-old. It's yeah. really bad. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this is this is far from over. We're going to be hearing a lot of shit about this for for quite some time. On to uh, funny, nicer, cheerier news. Uh, in an interview with Empire Magazine recently, Christian Bale was saying that he really want, he wanted to play Batman again. He would, wouldn't mind playing Batman again. 
and um, Shortlist Magazine was talking to Michael Keaton. Oh yeah, this is brilliant. And he asked him if uh, if he felt the same way as Bale, and his response was no, no. Do you I know am why? Batman. No, do you know why? Because I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm very secure in that. <laughs> <laughs> And Adam West went, wait up, bitch! It's like, best response ever. Yeah. I mean, Michael Keaton is just... You know, M- Michael Keaton's just making the hell out of this comeback. Yeah. You know, he's really just taking the bull by the horns, and it's it's nice it's nice to have him back in the limelight. It's mm. been a very long time. Have you seen Night Shift? Yes, I have. I haven't. Is it really that good? Because the Nerdist podcast continually talks about it. Well, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen it since, like, the early 80s. <laughs> Uh, but when it came out, like, uh, my dad loved that movie. Huh. And so I watched it with my dad. I watched it a, uh, a few times, huh. actually. And, um, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was really, really funny. Yeah, I'd and, never heard um, of it until recently. You know, and, you know, I mean, Michael Keaton steals it. He completely steals it. And, you know, I, I love Shelley Long. I'm a, I'm a big Shelley Long fan. So, mm. and Shelley Long is a hooker. I'm, I'm, I'm there. You're on board. Hooker with a heart of gold. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because I have been thinking about that movie a little bit lately since, really? since, well, I mean, with the Michael Keaton resurgence and everything, you know, you've just been thinking about, you think about his past roles, you know, Batman, Beetlejuice, Clean and Sober, Dream Team. Mr. Mom. You know, Mr. Mom, you know, um. Jackie Brown. You know, Jackie Brown. <laughs> uh, out of sight. Out of sight. He plays the same character in both, yes, he right? Plays the, same yes. Animal Orlando character. No, he's got, there, there's that great, uh, bit in Out of Sight because he's trying to, he, he's like, He's he's Jennifer Lopez's boyfriend or something? Like no, he's her like stepdad or friend of hers. No, 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 no. I think he's I think like he's kind of like with her in the beginning. No, I don't think so. And um, I thought it was more of a, a, a and father daughter relationship. And no, that's Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina is is her dad. Dennis Farina's a cop. Yeah. And um and Michael Keaton goes in there wearing like his F- he's got like a t shirt he's wearing like a vest that says FBI. Yeah. You know, and uh, Dennis Farina's like, hey, hey, uh, do you, do you ever wear one that says undercover? <laughs> <laughs> great movie that one that is a great movie that was uh the beginning of the george clooney sort of climb up the climb up the ladder because prior you know that that was the movie that started to wash off the the batman and robin stink yeah and that was the end of uh quality jennifer lopez movies yeah that was probably the last it was the beginning and end of that was the 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 last really really good jennifer lopez movie oh excellent (laughs) thanks merry christmas we've got fruitcake this is really good fruitcake Oh, there's whiskey inside. Oh, I'm going to commit one of the sins of uh, podcasting and eat on the cast. For, uh, by the way, um, you mm. know, uh, listeners of the cast, if you like fruitcake, my mother-in-law makes the best fruitcake. Mm. Email us at podcast at com and tell us like how many cakes you want. They are for sale. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm serious. I hate fruitcake, but I love this fruitcake. <laughs> you are a fruitcake. No, I'm serious. So, you know, if I was to eat a fruitcake, it's like cannibalism, you know what I'm saying? This is get, this is starting to get like happy days where Terry just wanders through the podcast <laughs> every week and then goes out the door. I keep expecting a round of applause as he leaves. It's like the fonz. Yeah. He turns up. Hey! <laughs> Does anyone want any fruitcake? Hey! <laughs> See you guys later. Hey! What are we talking about? It's <laughs> garbage. Well, we should probably talk about who has um, been slit, been... Uh, confirmed to direct the third Star Trek film. I had a look at Deadline's report on this, and it's one of those things where they're... I fucking hate those kind of... the language they use. It's not like Justin Lin has been hired. It's like he's set. So set doesn't mean anything's actually set, right? He's been offered. I think no one else was offered, but it's he's in, been offered. It's in all... Well, he was on the shortlist. There mm. was a few people on the shortlist. He was one of them. Um, there was some talk about Edgar Wright. That was never going to fucking happen. No. Um, but... 
Smokes all the crazy whip pans in there. It's like... <laughs> like crash zooms in Star Trek. No, no, no. That's not the Peg Wright reunion I want. No. Um, Edgar Wright's more of a Lost in Space kind of guy. Hey, there, no, there's a thought. He could do that. Talk about something that needs a fucking reboot. Yeah. Because <laughs> the family dynamic... You're going to wash Matt LeBlanc out of your fucking... <laughs> I, that movie was horrible. Yeah, you know, you get Mark Heap in it. You get uh, the whole space gang together as a space Tommy Robinson. That's right, that's right. But yes, Justin Lin has been... Um, has been confirmed to direct the new Star Trek film, taking over from J.J. I love to start shit but never finish anything, Abrams. Yeah. So if you don't know who Justin Lin is, he directed all the Fast and the Furious movies. He directed Fast and the Furious from Tokyo Drift to Fast and the Furious 6. He also directed the paintball episodes of Community. Uh, Community. But he also produces that TV show Scorpion, which I took an instant dislike to after the first episode because all the right tea was wrong. No, it's something that's producing, producing. You know, uh, it's like, what are you going to do, you know? Fix the problems with the show. Um, (laughs) That's what he's going to (laughs) do. It's his job, dude. You know, for some bizarre reason, I mean, like, again, Star Star Trek now has officially fallen into that category of films that I'm... It's like Terminator. I know I'll watch it, but I don't give a fuck about the development of it. The expectation tank is empty. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't dislike the second one. I thought the second I thought the second one was fun, mm. but pretty, pretty vacuous. Mm. You know, um, it, I don't remember. Earth is not that close to Klingon. You know, I, I exactly. No, I, I don't. I like hard, Kronos, it was one of those things where it's like I watched the film and then half an hour after the movie was over, I couldn't remember what what happened. Well, half an hour after, the, just, half an hour after the end of the film was over, I was thinking of Wrath of Khan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, which, on, which movie did I watch? It's like. You know, and, and, and I remember when we saw it, we saw it in that screening that had those fuckers in, 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 um, they were dressed up. As, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. They were, there was, they were like fucking Vulcans in, in the, uh, in, in, in the audience. And for some bizarre reason, that really pissed me off. <laughs> I, do you remember, do you remember when we saw it? I was like, look at that fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were Dress, dressing up as a Vulcan to watch a Star Trek movie. Who the fuck? I he mean, not, he I was could, a dick. He was I, was, I was a total dick. Yeah. He was working for the fucking I know. I mean, company. No. It's like when I saw Five Armies, there were a bunch of elves there, and I just what? Hated, really? I just hated them on sight. I was just like, fuck you. But they all look slightly gay. I know, it's like, yeah. The dude elves always have that in There's the movies There's this one now. bit in Five Armies where Thranduil just looks like he wants to fuck Legolas. Yeah. It's like, this, you know the bit I mean, right? Mm. You know the bit I mean, right? It's this fucked up bit, and it's like, what's Oh, they going just look here? like they're ready for a disco at any moment. There you go. You would have hated the G.I. Joe, like, um, the second, what was it? G.I. Joe um, Vengeance? No. Uh, Rise of the Cobra was the first one. The That's sec- all I can think of. Second one was um, I can't remember. Follow the Joes. Either way, like the one with Bruce Lee. There was. Three- I mean, the one with Bruce Willis. Watch <laughs> <laughs> a Bruce Lee GI Joe movie, man. And there was a couple of people dressed as Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes at that. So you would have hated that. Oh really? Oh. <laughs> was it good? You see, that one's not so bad because you can't see their face. Yeah. You know, this one. It's Asian Vulcans. It's like Asian Vulcans. Chinese Vulcans. And they're not even fit. You know, like they're. <laughs> It's but like, they look good. You got the hair right and everything. You got the hair right. It's like Jesus, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure Vulcans work out. When was the last time you dressed up as anything? Uh, Don't say it was that lame ass Ted at that fucking Halloween party all those years ago. Joanne's porn star party. Oh right, you wore a shirt. I wore a shirt. <laughs> a seventies shirt. Oh yeah. With a mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all about the dressing up. <laughs> Uh, a little cool crossover comic thing that's coming soon um, in March. I don't know why they're doing this, but DC, all their, a lot of their um, comics from March will have covers themed around movies. Oh, yeah? 
Oh no no yes I saw this I saw so this. Yes, there's yes. a slideshow up I'll, I'll post it off. It's I'll, very cool. There's a lot of them are, are awful, but there's yeah, some yeah. of them there's that some, are really. Some good. of them are really cool. Like yeah. there's one with Superman and Doomsday sitting on the the time traveling telephone box from Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Batgirl one which I didn't get at first, but it's Purple Rain. Yes, and it has that nice kind of not blurry effect, but it has a kind of a very muted style on it. You don't like Prince? I don't. Don't watch Purple Rain. Um, you haven't seen Purple Rain? No. Batman number 40 has a cover. It's the it's the teaser poster for The Mask where he's holding the hat down, but it's the Joker, and that's fucking perfect. New listeners, we will be putting all this shit down. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I really like The Mask one. Yeah. The Mask one was really nice. That the time. Mask one and the uh, Teen Titan ones that is The Lost Boys. Yes. Or is it like beat up crooks, stay up all night, yes. never grow old? Yes, It's fun to be a vampire. Yeah. It's fun to be a superhero, I think it's <sighs> No, 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 no! I saw that. That, that was very, that was very, very fun. Oh, the Catwoman one is inspired by Bullet. It has her leaning like he's on the poster. That's right. That's right. Like there's some of them. <laughs> it was the. <laughs> so anyway, it was the Aquaman one that I, I really want though. It's basically Free Willy with Aquaman standing beneath the whale. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, that was very funny. I really like that one. That was very funny. <laughs> I am getting. I am getting dangerously close to buying that fucking. Uh, Spaceballs 3 poster from um, I Am 8-Bit. Yeah, that's just the helmet? No. It's, yeah, the helmet is like Spaceballs 3, the search for Spaceballs 2. Yes! <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just, I was going through them all again, and the fucking, the one that I wanted to get, like the Batman one, that's sold out. The Labyrinth 2 one is sold out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the... the oh, one, the sequel show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the sequel, uh, the, but the one that I really like is, that I'm very close to getting, is, I'll probably get it, like, after this cast, is uh, the AI 2 one. Oh yeah, it was really clever. I mean, because the um, remind me because it was a couple of podcasts ago. Well, I mean, like the AI two one, it's it's essentially it's it's a close up of uh, Haley Joel Osment's face, and um, in like uh, and off to and off to the uh, the right is um, in the shadows you see uh, him walking with a little girl, mm. and it's and the tagline actually tells you the um, the, the 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 story of it. Hmm. And the story of it's actually genius. I mean, it, this could work. It could work as a sequel. And um, that's the, why it's so annoying that they're not making it. I know, I know, I know. But like the fucking the uh, the, the the fucking thing in the in this in the sequel, yeah. It's let me just uh, pull it up really quick. Real quick, yeah. Yes, really quick. No, 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 no. It's okay. It, it's it's this. It's, it's this. It's it's him. No, it's him. It's like he was he was all that was left of mankind until he discovered he was not alone. Could a machine teach humanity's most valuable lesson? Most uh, could 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 a machine teach humanity's most valuable gift to another? Mm. And it's and the and the silhouette is him walking with a little girl. Mm. So it's and that's a genius idea. Yeah, the last robot with the last human. Yep. But yeah, like yeah, if you like posters, I mean, and you know, there's some really really cool posters here. Check out I Have Eight Bit. Yeah, that's the that's the sequel show. They the uh, the 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 poster for the. Uh, the sequel to Top Gun also looks very cool. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this about three yes. or four weeks ago. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they'll go back and look at those links. Speaking of posters, uh, they've released a live action, a pic of the Attack on Titan, the live action poster. Oh, really? The live action movie. It's just got um, Aaron, uh, Aaron? Yes, Aaron, Aaron standing with his face facing off against the colossal Titan. Fuck me. So it's just a huge colossal Titan space. And it's a little bit of a different design, slightly different. Like it's the same idea, but just slightly executed differently. It looks like a drawing. Yeah. <laughs> and watching the uh, the Hobbit 
There's a couple of the trolls, and they kind of look like what you can imagine. They would those weird old faces, yeah. but on those bodies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. instantly thinking of like you know having the recon corps swing out and get those guys. I love how stupid the trolls are. Yeah, they're like, uh-huh. and they slam it. <laughs> the one with the thing on his head, he just yeah, runs into the just, wall, and then just, just falls down. down. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we've got a shit. We're just having a trailer section. All I right. just decided to make it a trailer. Do you have any other news? No. So leading off the trailers, because it has been two weeks, but we kind of went mad about this and forgot about it. Mad Max Fury Road. Brilliant. This is just... Brilliant. It's pure mad, it's pure distilled Mad Max. In a, I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a time. In a world. Where every film is CG. Yeah. It's so nice to see real fucking cars just... Powering into each other. Just powering into each other. There's a, there's one comparison shot I saw online, which is before and after CG, and it was just before, it's just a load of cars driving towards the camera, Mm -hmm. and it's just blue skies in the background, Mm -hmm. and in the CG, they just put in hills. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay. That's it. I want hills in this shot. But, uh, yeah, there's there's just like, when the classical music kind of, there's a hint of classical music comes in in the middle and then fades away. It, it it feels like like the way they cut it and everything as well is a really interesting style. It's a frenetic pace. It's not really you know time to the beat or like that. And it kind yeah. of speeds up, slows down. No, but what I love about it is that it it feels period. It feels like something that could have been made in the seventies. Once you, yeah, you know, and you know, it feels it feels dirty. It feels rough, and that's exactly what a Mad Max movie should feel like. Yeah, you know, I uh, I mean, I saw the I saw the trailer on IMAX. Mm. And it fuck. It was stunning. <laughs> it was stunning. <laughs> just when you see, you know, like one of those. It's like the cars, like are like there's like a 1920s kind of style, kind of bulbous kind of car. Yeah. On yeah. top of huge monster truck wheels, you're like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think someone did an article in the Guardian about um, the importance of Mad Max as a character and all that kind of stuff. And they were talking about in the trailer and in, if you look at the original movies, there's usually like a low before Michael Bay ever got his Bay Basher. You know, his little go kart he uses for those low shots, those mm-hmm. low fast mm-hmm. shots. Mm-hmm. George, uh, George Miller was doing this stuff, and there's just a nice continuity through all the movies. Like looking at the trailer, you can see like it's a per- totally organic growth of everything that's gone before. Yeah. Whereas if Justin Lin did it, it'd be completely different. Yes. Yeah. No, Justin Lin's Mad Max would look very different. Um, but no, this is an amazing trailer. Uh, another really, really good trailer is uh, the trailer for American Sniper. Oh yeah, I didn't see the second one. The the new trailer. Yeah. I I, I was resisting because I really liked the first trailer. The first trailer. And as far as I was concerned, I was like, I'm already, I'm, I'm in, I'm yeah. in, I'm, I'm watching it. But, you know, I caved and I saw the second trailer. And, I mean, I already know what happens to the guy in the end anyway. So, yeah, it's so based it's, on a true story, right? Yeah, it's based on a true story. So I didn't feel like I was going to be, you know, spoiling myself or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it looks, it looks phenomenal. You yeah. know, Bradley Cooper just looks like he knocks it out the park. And is it very different from the first trailer or is it more showing the story? There's, there's a lot more stuff. Okay. There's a lot more stuff because I mean the the first the first teaser was essentially an ex, an extended sequence. Yeah. Um whereas this shows you a lot more stuff and um Does it look very like the Heart Locker? Um yeah, not really. There's a mild vibe of that off the first one because there's there's bits of him at home as well, not right? Not really. Yeah, I mean the 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 new trailer varies it up a little bit. So you know, you you see him in different places and different surroundings and all of that. It it sort of um, takes you a little bit more into his into his mind, uh, and it just looks really cool. It looks like Clint Eastwood's best film in a long time. Yeah. So as usual, we'll post all these trailers on the website. Yep. Did you see the trailer for uh, Terrence Malick's new film? Yes, I did. The Knight of Cups. Yes, I did. Again, comes out of fucking nowhere. I'd never heard about yeah. this, and it's got Christian Bale losing his mind. No, no, I, I heard about this. I mean, he he's been working on this for a while. Mm. Um, Christian Bale shot two films with Terrence Malick. No, oh. uh, this was one of them, and then another one I think was called Lawless oh. or something. Uh, yeah, um, and he reused 
Like, I think half of the cast in Knight of Cups is mm. in the other one as well. Like, he was working back and forth with these guys. Kate Blanchett's in it as well, and so uh, is Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman's in it. Um, Imogen Poots is in it. I mean, there's... Is it Imogen? Is that Imogen? Yeah, yeah. Imogen, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's quite a few people that, that are in this film. And it looks... It, it looks like a trippy tree of life. Yeah. <laughs> in L.A. In L.A. Yeah, like, I'm, it looks, he looks like someone who's, like, there's a, there's a scene with an agent that's like, what was it, tell me about you or something like that, and we're going to make you big and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of, like, him looking disaffected in beautiful houses. Yeah. And swimming pools and crazy parties and rolling around the floor and stuff. And then, like, there's a whole imagery of it with a tunnel and a light, which is really cool. Like, when the music kicks yeah. in near the end, yeah, yeah. it's like, that's Terrence Malick. Yeah, but what I... <coughs> what 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 I find very fascinating about this and why I really want to see this... I mean, I'll watch, I'll watch all Terrence Malick films. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I'll... It may take me a while, but yeah. sooner or later I will get to them because every Terrence Malick film is a commitment. Yeah. You know, um. Really nice grass in the thin red line, man. Oh, absolutely. Great grass. Yeah. In, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I'm really excited about with this is that Terrence Malick has never explored Hollywood. Hmm. He's never explored celebrity. Well, for 20 years, he didn't explore it at all. He just fucked off somewhere yeah. else. He did, he did Badlands, then he fucked off, right? Yeah, yeah. Was I it two films he did before? Three. three. No, he did, he did Badlands, then he didn't do another movie before until... No, Badlands and Days of Heaven. Days of Heaven, and then he didn't do anything for ages, right? I thought was he did three. It was, well, like, it was like a 10-year, 20-year yes, yeah, gap. Yeah, no, there was a very, very long gap before he did The Thin Red Line. Yeah. Um, and before but, he shot, like, what was it, like, enough film to circle the globe 16 times or something? Something like that. He must love Digital Man. I mean, yeah. like, it's like, fuck. Just don't turn it off. He just falls off the off button. Um, but um, I haven't. I still haven't seen the one he did with um, Ben Affleck, To the Wonder. Mm. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this because it's a subject matter that, you know, he's clearly talking about all of the things that he's known for, which is, you know, the... You know what are we here for? Our uh-huh. you know, our purpose, our the meaning of life, and all that kind of shit. Only but, in Hollywood. But yeah, but 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 this is a in, in, in from a sensory point from a sensory point of view. There's so much more ground to cover mm. because uh, you know Hollywood is such a crazy place, and celebrity is such a crazy thing. You know, it's like it's like the modern the modern day gods mm. almost. You know, and to see him explore that, exploring Olympus. Yes, to see him explore that with. Um, with uh, you know Emmanuel Lubitsky, is that is that the uh, the, the cinematographer? Who, no, I didn't see that. Well, okay. it's I mean it's I'm not sure, that's him. I'm not sure if I'm getting his name right, but it's the same guy who shot Gravity, same guy who oh. shot Birdman. Well, so you know, I mean, Terrence Malick's yeah. films, even if you hate them, you can't deny it. they yeah. look great. He made Grass look awesome. I was quite happy looking at Grass blowing in the wind for ten fucking minutes or whatever long that sequence was. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because of the thin red line. I was so traumatized watching Jesus get fucked up in, in, in The Passion of the Christ. It's like Christ. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, on Night of Cups, I did see that trailer. It, it looks it looks beautiful. Something that, woke, uh, that opened my eyes was the new Kingsman The Secret Service red band trailer. Because before this, I'd only seen there were green band trailers, so there wasn't that much swearing. And this is covered in swearing. And this looks like so much fun. This it's, movie looks like it could very well, very well be my... My favorite film of next year. Yeah. It looks so much fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's Colin Firth is basically James Bond and he's taking in a chav to train him up. And like, have you seen, like, Michael Ke- Michael Caine's in it as like the head of like Assemble the Kingsman. Michael Caine's in it, Samuel L. Jackson's the villain, Mark Hamill's in it. Yeah. Michael, and uh, Jackson is, uh, he's played with a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and, and also now, especially now that James Bond takes himself so fucking seriously. Yeah. Um, What's well, so the line? He says like what, he's showing them all these things, and it's like you know, there's knives in the shoes, and there's like the umbrellas are guns and stuff. And he says, well, "What is this? Is it a, a laser pointer?" And he's got a lighter. And he's like, 
No, it's a grenade. He's like, get out. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But it looks really, really fun. Which you could do with, because James Bond is dour now. Yeah, it's like, you know, the new one. Well, it's Spectra. I said this the last time. Spectra? Part. Is it Spectra? Spectre. Spectre. <laughs> the R silent? Yeah, no, it's... It's like the pronounced the other way around. Spectre. I, I, I don't know. I've you never. Say, you I've, say Spectre. I've never been good at these things. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, English is my second. I language. hope the second. I hope the one after this is called Schmersh. <laughs> I hope the one after this is called S'mores. S'mores. <laughs> Spectres. Um, is a. I think the the Monty Python guys are on this, but there was a trailer for I think what Robin Williams one of his last movies is. Uh, it's called Absolutely Everything. With Simon Pegg. Yes. And yes. Robin Williams is like voicing a dog. Like yeah. Simon Pegg seems to have the ability to... It's basically, um, what you call it, Bruce Almighty kind of thing. This is the uh, film directed by Terry Jones, right? Huh. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Simon Pegg seems to have the power, like, you know, wishing power or something like that. And he make, gives his dog a voice and then gives him vo- uh, rational thought. And all the, do- all the Robin Williams is saying, like, biscuits, biscuits, I know they're in the press. Get me some biscuits. Red biscuits, green biscuits, get me biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> what I really cracked up at was when it got to the point where the dog started talking about um, how much it, he hates displeasing his master. Mm-hmm. It's a real dog thing. It's like, oh, I love you, master. I, do, I only want to please you. I feel so bad when I upset you and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and when the doorbell rings, it's a typical dog reaction. It's like, there's somebody at the door! There's somebody at the door! Quick, there it is again! <laughs> it looks like fun. No idea what it's about whatsoever. Mm-hmm. An- another uh, amazing trailer. Did you see the trailer for uh, The Walk? Yes. Holy shit. Like, it's pretty much a mo- I didn't... This is the guy who walked across the uh, the twin uh, the he tightrope walked between the twin towers. It's a movie, Man in the Wire, right? It's yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I am it? gonna I am gonna vomit watching this in IMAX 3D. That one shot. That I'm I'm because I nearly threw up watching Gravity. Yeah, you know. Really? But yeah, I did. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I was completely stoned. <laughs> I had just eaten lunch, <laughs> and that that first shot where the. That, you know where it's just where she's spinning. Oh, where she, the, no, no, before that. that oh, was, where, the sh- where the ship just comes into view the and it goes comes around. Into view and it just goes around. During that one, I was sitting in. Uh, I mean, I was in the optimal sit- seating position. An IMAX. And I was just. <laughs> <laughs> you got space sick watching Don't gravity. Don't lose your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose your shit. <laughs> the trailer opens with this beautiful shot of like the from the ground floor to the roof of the World Trade Center. I really pissed if they hadn't put those floating letters saying singing the praises of Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, it would have been amazing. But that yeah. was like, it's a cool shot. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt's up on the top. He walks out on a beam and looks down, and that shot. But but that like but, watching that on a tiny screen in Starbucks, yeah. I got vertigo. Yeah, I know. Like, whoa, I know. But like that bit when Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes up and you have that shot. It, he, it it looks exactly the same as the shot where the first time Neo watches Matrix jump from one building <laughs> to the other. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt does look a little bit like Keanu he's got Reeves. a bit of a floppy hair thing going on because the guy, the he, French guy, who did it. He's one of those weird, like you know, French yeah, guy haircuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just, but then it pulls back and he's just balancing on the beam. Yeah. It looks, it looks awesome. I mean, it's a very much a mood trailer, but wow. But Robert Zemeckis, you know, he's just one of those event filmmakers. I mean, I'll see anything that guy. Although I haven't seen Flight yet. Mm, you mean either? Keep yeah, me yeah, to watch yeah, that. Yeah, keep me to watch that. But I mean. You know, like what lies beneath is a genius. genius That's literally thriller. a roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> when I saw that in Dublin in the Savoy One uh, pack screening, uh, it kind of the roller coaster got to the point where there's a load of teenagers ahead of us, and they were 
jumping at the scares and then laughing at them afterwards. It got you know, like really they were laughing at how shocked they had gotten because there's the point where the stereo comes on and that yeah. by accident and that <laughs> noise it makes is that's like night like if that, that he just used that that kind of sound trick once. But yeah, that sound is horrifying. I know. <laughs> so many. That's just like jump scare the movie. Uh, Good movie. Yeah, did for bathtubs what Psycho did for showers. Yeah, and for dogs. Wasn't it? Yeah, there was a double fake out. Also, right? it was the last really, really, really good Harrison Ford film. Mm. Did you see the picture on Twitter of someone saying nailed it? And it's got a picture of, you know, where Harrison Ford kind of smiles in a kind of a crooked way? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it is a dog doing the exact <laughs> same face. <laughs> like, it's uncanny. All someone needs to do is put a little uh, blue vest on that dog and a little blaster at the side. Also, if you're a fan of Mark Hamill, you should YouTube Mark Hamill Harrison Ford impersonation. Mark Hamill does a really funny Harrison Ford impersonation. <laughs> uh, a couple more trailers. Um, wrong button. <laughs> Do you see the trailer for um, the new Jason Statham film, Wild Card? No. This actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's directed by Simon West. Nobody gives a fuck. However, it is the first screenplay in a very long time by Academy Award winner William Goldman. What? Yeah. Wow. William Goldman, uh, who is the, uh, he's the writer of, uh, Misery, uh, I mean, the screenwriter of Misery, uh, Butch, Princess Butch, Bride. Princess Bride, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, he, the last, the last screenplay he wrote was, uh, Dreamcatcher, but let's not talk mm. too much about that. Uh, but. Wait, he, Dreamcatcher, the Stephen King story? Yeah. It's an awesome movie. It's, it's a, it's, it's with got the its, shit weasels. It's got its moments. It's got its moments. I wasn't too enamored with it. With Mr. Gray? You know, after Jason Lee died, I'm like, this movie's bullshit. <laughs> That's no way to go out. <laughs> no. That was a great movie. That was hilarious. <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to be. That was Morgan Freeman with his uh, flat top hairdo as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Direct, was directed it? by Lawrence Kasdan. This is the one. It wasn't really odd. It was the other crazy guy. He was uh, in Paparazzi. Sizemore. Tom Sizemore's in it as well, yeah, right? Yeah, Tom Sizemore. That's right. Yeah. Tom Sizemore's great in that movie. <laughs> Tom Sizemore's always good fun to, good fun to watch. Yeah. You know. They didn't go completely batshit like Ray Liotta. <laughs> Uh, two quick animated trailers. So Pixar finally dropped a proper trailer for Inside Out. You know, I haven't seen any of the promotional materials for this. Did you not see the other one, which was talking about all their all their previous work and was a real kind of like marketing crap job? Like it pissed me off because it was just like all of the greatest stories that Pixar and Disney have told. And they're like, but where do the emotions come from? And it showed like in a three minute trailer, it showed like a tiny snippet of the actual movie. And it's like fuck that. But this gives you a better idea of the whole. Be no numbskulls idea. Uh-huh. Like it's a family sitting at dinner eating Chinese food, and uh, the mother it zooms into her head, and like it, it kind of reminds me of The View. You know that TV show The View? So it's like all these little yeah, yeah, fuzzy yeah, green yeah, ladies yeah, yeah, sitting yeah, yeah, at the yeah. table, and they're like, something seems off. I'm getting signals. Signal the husband, and like the 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 the, the, the daughter about school, and then there's a whole thing like the dad's brain guys are all watching sports reruns, mm-hmm. and they all have mustaches just for no reason, and. There's a whole escalation between the dad and the daughter and how her emotions are kind of, you know, teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas his is all like, you know, the guys are all in the head saying like, we're detecting sass, sirs. Like, prepare the foot. The foot is coming down. It yeah, looks no, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I've, I mean, I've, I've seen it, like, uh, but I just haven't, for some bizarre reason, I just didn't click on it. <laughs> hmm. The other one I want to talk about is, was a French trailer for The Little Prince. Yeah, you were just telling me about this. Yeah, so The Little Prince is a pretty slim book, right? Yes. As far as I can remember. There's not much to it, but they've seemed to have, they've added a little kind of framing device mm-hmm. in which it looks like normal 3D animation, as in, when I say normal, I mean like, you know, the DreamWorks face. Mm-hmm. Um, like a little bit less cartoony than um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but that similar style. Mm-hmm. And it's got that whole thing, and it's a little girl who's very boring. You know, she has her school uniform, 
you know, folding an iron every day. She's just doing book reading and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this crazy old man who lives next door starts throwing paper airplanes at her. And the paper airplanes are pages of the little prince. Mm-hmm. So the little prince story itself, I think, is him relating it to her. And that's if it's true. If it's CG, it's really good CG because it looks like it's made out of paper. Mm. Like the little prince's little three rows, three curls on his hair, kind of combed over, mm-hmm. and it's like the three pieces of paper, mm-hmm. and his whole world is made up like that. So mm-hmm. it looks really, really beautiful looking, mm-hmm. um, and it's paper craft movie basically, and uh, it has that Lily Allen song, version of Keen song playing over it. So it looks really sweet, looks really cool. Somewhere only we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you heard it earlier. <laughs> No, no, I've, I've also heard it. I've, I've got it on my playlist. Have you? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I like Lydia. Yeah. Fuck you, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the song, isn't it? it was yeah, called, yeah, yeah, on the, yeah, on the, yeah. The version I had, it was called Fuck You, Batman, anyway. Yeah. Finally, for trailers. Yep. Did you... Taken has become a parody of itself, but they finally seem to be in on the joke themselves. Uh-huh. Did you see this thing, Liam Neeson? Does this ad for Taken 3 it doesn't use any of the footage up front and it's just Liam Neeson in a hotel room going about his day uh-huh. so like he takes his shoes out he puts one on and as he turns around a hand comes out and takes the shoe uh-huh. and then he's eating his cornflakes and he gets the milk and the bowl's gone <laughs> and this stuff keeps this, they, they go through three or four of those then he just looks at the camera and says why is everybody always taking my shit <laughs> <laughs> and then it kicks into a rock song which is like why is everybody taking 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 why is everybody taking my this. shit it's genius Oh my god. First they took my daughter, then they took my wife, now they're trying to take my life. <laughs> and it ends cut with him ever so often, like looking angry in the leather jacket going, why is everybody always taking my shit? Oh my god. It's genius. It's like, finally. <laughs> I, I wasn't excited about it. Now I'm excited, yeah. I want to watch Taken 3. Yeah. It looks like something they would do on MTV News, you know that kind of thing? Yeah. But <laughs> That sounds, I mean, speaking of Taken, like uh, the, the director of Taken, the first Taken, uh, did you see the trailer for The Gunman with Sean Penn and no. Javier Bardem? No. Um, Sean Penn has finally bit the bullet and is going the action action hero route. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it, doing a Neeson. Yeah, he's doing a Neeson. Sean Penn, Har- Javier Bardem, uh, Ray Winstone. Has Javier Bardem got a funny haircut? No. Really? No, he, look, he looks relatively normal in this. So it's a serious role. And Mark Rylance is in it. And um, uh, uh, Ray Winstone is in it. And I will kill your monster. Exactly. If the trailer didn't give away the whole movie, I would say it looks really good. Mm. <laughs> Don't watch the trailer. Oh, that reminds me. I saw Noah. <laughs> did you see Noah? Take the Ark! Yeah, did you see it? No. It's fucking nuts! It's brilliant! I heard it's nuts. I was listening to some Catholics complain about it. Apparently, the rock monsters didn't go down too well. But they're in it from the beginning. Like, I thought the rock monsters were, you know, they're supposed to be fallen angels and maybe off in the distance. They're in it from the start and they're supporting characters for part of the movie. I know, don't they help him build the Ark? Yeah. And they're fucking horrifying looking. They're all deformed and shit. It's Nick Nolte, right? What? He played the rock monster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick, Nick Nolte is the rock monster. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's so fucking weird. The best part, what? Like, we started just commentating on it, and the best part is, like, shit goes bad on the arc, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when they actually do reach dry land, and Kevin Costner's waiting for them, mm-hmm. um, Noah just goes off into a cave, and he, like, he, or he gets off the boat, walks up to the land, and there's berries growing there, and he just picks them up. And I jokingly said, oh, look, he's going to go make some wine. He proceeded to go make some wine and get hammered for like a good 10 minutes of the movie. It's I, just Russell Crowe rolling around getting drunk. Well, I mean, I, I mean I'm a big Nick Nolte fan, you know, I mean, like 48 Hours, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, also, uh, Mother Night, mm. uh, I'm a really big fan of that. And I just love his voice. I love how fucking crazy he is. Yeah. Well, you know, but, I uh, love his uh, mugshot photo and the Hawaiian shirt and the crazy hair. But uh, there's a film that's coming out, I think, next year. 
um, which is based on the me- on Bill Bill Bryson's memoirs, mm. and uh, it's Robert Redford and Nick Nolte. Cool. Now that now that's that's a two that's a act. Team up. That's yeah. a team up. That's that a two header. <laughs> that's what I call a fucking team up. <laughs> Have you got cool stuff for the week? Um. Yes, I do. Nothing specific. Just a just a. Um, a vague feeling of coolness. No, no. There, there's this uh, website that I found called uh, UpperPlayground.com. I've heard of this. And they just do really, really cool, like, uh, t-shirts and accessories, you know, caps, books, DVDs, Is artwork, a skate store? artwork, uh, posters. No, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I mean, yeah, they, you can, you can get some decks. <laughs> nice. But they just do really cool t-shirts. You know, like, uh, just really bizarre shit. You know, like, there's one t-shirt in particular that I really like, which is the Walrus Burger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a walrus face made out of patties. <laughs> It's really, really cool. And you can get really, um, you know, you can, you can get like really cool posters on it. Um, and all kinds of crazy shit. Cool. Yeah, so. Upper playground. It's, it's not necessarily, um, comic book related or yeah. sci-fi or anything like that. It's, it's just, just something, it's just something a little different. So check it out. Upperplayground.com. It's got really cool t-shirts. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, I mean, I'm there for the t-shirts and the prints. Yeah. You're all about those prints. Yep. Um, we'll get to the Babadook later, but the crazy assholes who made the movie have decided there's a, the whole film centers around this pop-up book and the character from it. They're making a Baba, yeah, they're making a Baba book. So they're making an actual replica. The, the filmmakers are making a replica of the actual book in the film. I think it's 80 US dollars. And the first 2,000 books will be signed. And I mean, the book itself looks like in the film, it looks like, you know, it's a low budget horror movie. So it looks like they actually just built a proper pop up book. It's not like done with trickery and stuff. So it's kind of horrifying. This is a terrible, terrible idea. Anyone who buys this and leaves it around the house, any, you need to put, lock this book away when kids come around. Like the actual Babadook himself <laughs> is pure nightmare fuel. Oh, yeah, no, no, I know. It's a really bad idea. Like, I just imagine this book and in 50, 60 years time, someone's grandkids finding it and never sleeping again. It's a horrible idea. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I would gladly buy the Evil Dead DVD box set with the Necronomicon, but at least that had a safe word. <laughs> you know, you could say, Klaatu Barada. <coughs> what? What? <laughs> Didn't you say the words? Did you say the words exactly as I said? I kind of said what you said. <laughs> emails? Do we? We have emails. Oh, shit. And we have someone who actually emailed us at podcast at McGettin Fries instead of using the contact us form. So you can get us at podcast at McGettin Fries. I've said it twice now, so you don't have to say yeah. one. All right. And um, my first email comes in from Neil Nevins. So this is my cousin. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hi, uh, Neil. We'll give him a free plug for this. His uh, band Youth Mass are doing quite well in Ireland, so... Excellent. Have a look for them around there. Are, on they, on, are they on Spotify? I'm not sure if they're on Spotify yet. Uh, I think they released their album on iTunes last year. All right. And pretty cool. Kind of chilled out, rocky. Like, you know, hints of Radiohead. Like, more, they're more experimental stuff and stuff like that. Like, you okay. know, nice long guitar breaks and stuff like that. And lots of kind of moody videos. Check them out online anyway. The right. Youth Mask. But he says, first of all, I need to say bullshit in reference to your second from last podcast. We have to say, Neil, we do these two weeks apart and we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Did he specify? No, that's it. He just said first bullshit to two weeks ago. So it was either Christian Bale should play Let Lobo episode in which we reviewed. Maybe it was Interstellar. Okay. Well, what? Or did we? Did I call him out as saying the only person who listens to the podcast? Maybe you might have done. Or it was the Tree of Lautner? I don't know. Well, 
does he say what bullshit's in reference to? No. So, Neil, if you are listening and we know you are, please email him again and tell us which particular bullshit. We get through a lot of bullshit here on the show. Yeah, I mean, like, bullshit. Without bullshit, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. So. It's wall-to-wall bullshit You got to tell us what, you got to tell us what's bullshit. <laughs> which, which particular bit which of. Which part of bullshit was yeah. bullshit to you? Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for listening, Neil. Yeah. Second, secondly, I need to know both of your top three Tarantino movies. Are you excited for The Hateful Eight or is Tarantino's shtick become overplayed? Um, I'm excited for the Hateful Eight, but I'm excited for the Hateful Eight primarily because I will, I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons, like, I am not a fan of, um, of Death Proof, but what little affection I do have for Death Proof is largely because of Kurt Russell. He's the bomb and soldier. He's the bomb and everything. The soldier's awesome. (laughs) I think we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill them all, sir. I think we're contractually obliged to say that Breakdown is amazing. And any Kurt Russell conversation. Breakdown is amazing. It always comes up. You have to mention Breakdown. Uh, Top three Tarantino movies. Um, In no particular order or... Mm. No, go for it. All right. I mean, for me, uh, it would be Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to split it up into things that... that (laughs) He he directed the things he wrote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like <coughs> things he directed. It's Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. Mm. Um, although special mention for True Romance. Yeah, you see, True Romance is very highly in mind, just for uh, Val Kilmer, Mirror Elvis. Just, I mean, the film is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Tony Scott was the perfect director for that film. Brad Pitt just sitting on the couch smoking weed all day. And and Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette were amazing. Their chemistry was amazing. She had a lovely coat. Bronson Bronson Pinchot was fucking hysterical in it. You know, Saul Rubinek. I mean, the great thing about um, all of Tarantino's films is has always been the actors in it. Yeah. Not just for you know, not just for the stuff that he's directed, but even for the stuff that he wrote. Even Natural Born Killers, amazing fucking cast. Mm. Even though Tarantino distances himself from that because yeah. you know Oliver Stone, Oliver stoned it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I gotta say that like as as a director. You know, Reservoir Dogs was a really solid piece of work. Jackie Brown doesn't seem to get a whole lot of love, but I love that film. Yeah, I, I like think, it too. I think it's a really well put together film. I think just even that uh, Travelator sequence at the beginning is just a badass. But also as an Elmore Leonard adaptation, it's a really solid, you know, yeah. adaptation. And you know, Pulp Fiction, just because it, you know, of what you know, uh, it still holds up. It still holds. We up. We watched it again last year, and it's, we watched it every it couple of years. It still holds up very, great. very well, and. You know, I mean, just going by the title, it is everything that the title suggests. You know, that is Pulp Fiction. That's what it is. And I think part of the problem with Tarantino is that since then, he's... He's uh, sort of elevated above the pulp level into art. Well, no, I think the problem is is that he thinks it's art. (laughs) You know, no, that's the problem. And he's fallen, kind of fallen into the category of of Tim Tim Burton Mm. in the sense that he seems to feel that, like, he needs to do more of the same in the sense, like, he needs to be a slave to the 70s, mm. you know? And I don't feel that he needs to do that. Yeah, I he, think that he's a talented enough writer and filmmaker that he could do something that, that new he can, and still make it work. he can venture out of it. Like, the episode of um, CSI that he directed, I felt was very, very cool. Mm. And there was not a, you know, I mean, there wasn't anything like that. You know, even his rewrites when he when he script doctors stuff like Crimson Tide, you could so easily tell yeah. what was Tarantino's bits. You know, two men like, in a room shouting at each other. That's Tarantino. You know, you know, it's like you know, you got this fucking like Michael Bayish sort of Tony Scott film, and then suddenly two people, two people suddenly start. Denzel Washington breaks up an argument about which Silver Surfer is better. <laughs> <laughs> that reeks of Tarantino. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Like, everybody knows that the Kirby Silver Surfer is better than the fucking Mobius Silver Surfer. That's what he Surfer. says, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so... I do not concur. 
Yeah. So, uh, uh, so that would be my answer. It's like in no particular order because I I love all th- those three films dearly. I love True Romance. I put True Romance in my three. That's in my three. No no caveats required. That's definitely one of my three. Pulp yeah. Fiction as well. Reservoir Dogs is good, but it didn't. I know it doesn't. It doesn't no, uh, think, resonate with me no, as much. I think Reservoir Dogs is in there because it was the first one, and that mm. was the first time. You know, it was my, 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 it was all of our introduction to Tarantino, and it was that illicit tape that was passed around because yeah, you couldn't get it. You know, and it was it was just you know it was like a fucking you know cock slap across the face. You know, it's like yeah. I didn't know you could make. I didn't know you could have a movie with dialogue like this. Yeah, you know, and it was a real eye opener. Was it a perfect film? No, but for what he had at his disposal, yeah. I thought it was great, and as far as dialogue goes, it's genius. I mean, to this day, I mean, the dialogue just holds up. You know, are you gonna bark all day, little doggy? Yeah. Or are you gonna bite? I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? I didn't catch that. Could you please repeat it? <laughs> you know, Harvey Keitel. You know, it's like, it, it, you know, the cast was brilliant. You know, like that, that, that whole um, uh, exchange at the beginning about tipping. Mm. You know, it's like, you know. It's like, hey, this, you know, like, you know, this, you know, this job is hard. You know, it's like, yeah, so is working at McDonald's, but you don't feel you need to tip them. Yeah. Why not? They're serving you food. But no, 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 society says, don't tip these guys over here, but tip these guys over here. It's bullshit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's people having garbage conversations, which is what people do. I know, but prior to that, you didn't really have that. No, it, you know, before that, we were still coming off the, the 80s where it's like, just serve the script, move the story yeah, along. Yeah, the and, and, that was the first time, like, you know, you watch a film where you think, oh, my God, it is, you can do dialogue like this. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I mean, the, the only drawback was that after that, you had, like, a whole bunch of imitators. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, Reservoir Dogs, it's not a perfect film, but in terms of impact, it was huge. Hope we answered your question, Neil. So, what was yours? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Uh, True Romance. True Romance and Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, right. Our next email comes in from Greg. Uh, Greg says, totally not movie related, but what is your favorite word in the English language? Phantasmagoric. Beer. Yes. Can I get two words? <laughs> One more. <laughs> Please. Uh, I do like Persephone, although at first one, I don't, I don't, I only ever heard the word and never seen it written down and read it in a Jeff Noon book, and it was actually the, the comedy society, you know, you do a Trinity, at Trinity College Freshers Week, you know, you sign up for every society and it's a pound to go, but basically they get, their funds get matched by the number of people they get. Yeah. And the comedy society wanted you to give your favorite word. And I wrote down Persephone, not realizing that it's not pronounced Persephone. <laughs> I also, I also am very fond of the word, uh, cathartic. Cathartic's pretty good. Cathartic. Yeah. Oh, I have a new favorite one as of this morning. It's not even, well, it's not really, my, it's not my favorite word in the English language. I think it's my favorite word in Middle Earth language. Grundabad. <laughs> <laughs> I was just cracking up the whole time. Everyone said, "Like, there's an army assembling in Gundabad." It's a real. It's 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 not. It's in the appendices. Yeah, <laughs> it's Gundabad, right? Gundabad, uh, Grundabad, Gundabad. Babadook is also Babadook is also a nice word. It rolls off the ear nicely. Yes, the Babadook. Babadook. Captain Caveman says, "Hello, hello. Which of these two tools would you rather be? Which of these two tools would you rather be stuck in an elevator for eighteen hours with? Paulie Shore, Tracy Morgan." Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Polly Short. He'd just be standing there going, don't worry, we'll get out of here in a minute. One and a half minute. <laughs> Two and a half minute. Two, Two minutes. No wheezing the jewels. <laughs> no. I, I, I'll just ask him to quote everything from fucking Death, death, death at a Funeral. <laughs> Every, when he's talking about KFC. Everyone knows that the colonel stole the, <laughs> stole that recipe from a slave named Jubilar. 
No, I give him credit for the coleslaw, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I just... God, I mean, just been stuck in the lift with the guy from fucking Two and a Half Dicks or whatever it was called. The... The, the Bruce the Bruce Willis cop movie Cops oh uh, Cop Hard uh, Cop Out Couple of Dicks Cop, cop Out was called Cop Out yeah, yeah. the original title is yeah, I've, I've seen enough uh, Tracy Polly Shore be quieter I think a little bit like Polly Shore be like oh yeah I'm just looking at this lift for hours on my foot mm-hmm. how are we gonna get out of here jump off the gym splatter yourself splatter yourself on the floor and go for the cover <laughs> <laughs> I need pills called Dr. Spaceman <laughs> See you, see you later, Manson. <laughs> he was at the con, right? He was in Hall H when we were there. He was going around just interviewing random people. Probably sure. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That wraps up our emails. So yeah, you can email us in or tweet us at our tweeters. <clears throat> tweet us. Yeah. Review time. Okay, reviews. Uh, yeah, starting off with Tusk. Um, I never heard the podcast that this movie is uh, based on. I think I went back and listened to it. Yeah. And they did a recent revisiting of it. Right. Um, but this is about a podcaster uh, by the na- uh, guy named Wallace, who's got a very popular podcast, with he host- which he hosts um, with his friend Teddy, who's played by Haley Joel Osment. Looking weird. Looking, looking his age, yeah. you know. He looks like the kid from AI, but 20 years older, and it freaks me out. Yeah. It's- <laughs> and... Um, he hasn't grown into his face. He's kind of grown out of it. He's uh, got a very popular podcast, and he's going to Canada uh, to um, to interview this guy. It's sort of like a piss take on the Star Wars kid, you know, the guy who filmed himself, you know, with with a, with with, with a pretend lightsaber, and you know, it, it went viral. And the guy People now could. is basically embarrassed for the rest of his life. Yeah. So this was that version of this, where it's this guy fucking around with a katana blade, and in the middle of the video, he cuts off his own leg. Oh fuck. <laughs> And yes, yeah, so and he basically just long just does like interviews with people, right? He just yes. interviews different people from all over. The place. Yes, and you know, um, and basically he does the interviews, and then he goes to he, then he goes back on his podcast and talks about it, and he has to try and describe it. Um, if you've listened to This American Life, it probably just sounds like that. Have you ever listened to This American Life? No, no. And he's got he's got to describe it to Haley Joel Osment, and and uh, because you know he's got to describe it to people who didn't see it, and that's why they call the, themselves the the not the Nazi party. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he goes there, and uh, when he gets when he gets to the kid's house, uh, it turns out that the kid has committed suicide. Oh shit! Because you know the inter- because of the internet, because of the internet and reasons. And so he's there, he doesn't know what the fuck to do, and he's essentially an asshole. Like, Justin Long's character is a fucking asshole. He's an asshole podcaster who's completely in love with himself. I don't and, know, I can't, I can't empathize with that character at all. Yeah, and while, he, uh, while he's taking a piss in a bar, um, he sees this sort of, kind of like an essay stuck on the wall. There's a whole bunch of stuff like stuck on the wall. Like a Mexican guy? Hmm? Like a Mexican guy? No, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> you, stay, you stayed up all night thinking that one up. What the fuck? Hey, Essie, what you doing on the wall? <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, there's this fucking written thing on, on the wall that he picks out, and it's basically this guy telling a story, uh, basically saying that he's been, he's had many adventures in his life. He's, he's, been, he's a seafarer, he's a sailor, and now he just wants... He's a seaman. He's a seaman who has now sort of um, settled down... He lives in some buttfuck place called Manitoba, and he just wants to share his stories. So Justin Long calls this guy up. It's like, hey, you know, would you uh, would you be willing? Uh, you know, I'm a podcaster. I'll I'll interview you and all that shit. Yeah. So he gets there, 
and you know this guy's very nice. This guy um, Howard 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 Ho is uh, is uh, played by Michael Parks, the yeah. great Michael Parks, who played the crazy fucking preacher in uh, Kevin Smith's Red State. He was the uh, cop at the beginning. He was of, the cop uh, in the beginning of uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. He was also in uh, Plant. Uh, he was also in uh, Death Proof, and he was also in uh, Planet Terror, I believe. Yeah, I mean, same character. Yeah. Yes, all same character. Um, but Michael Parks, yes, he's he was great in Red State. He's amazing in this. Yeah. He's amazing in this. And basically, he go, they go, they get there, they're talking, and suddenly Justin Long gets, starts to feel tired, he passes out, and then when he wakes up, he's got no legs. Oh! And base, and the whole premise of the story is that this guy was once shipwrecked on an island, and when he was shipwrecked on this island, he befriended a walrus. And he basically wants to be reunited with some version of this walrus. Yeah. And proceeds to turn Justin Long into a human walrus. He walrusizes him. He walrusizes him. And that's the premise. Yeah. That's the now, when you say he passes out, is that like half an hour in, 45 minutes in? Is that quick, pretty early? Is it, it takes its time. Okay. I mean, the movie does take its time. Um, one thing I will say about the film is, is that it is very disturbing. Really? It's very disturbing. It's very fucked up. It's occasionally funny. But I'm not... You know, I mean, like, uh, I'm not so sure I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> you endured it. You know, I mean, because uh, it, it was, it's a weird film. Yeah. It is a very weird film. And, you know, if the point of the film is to, you know, mess you up, then I think... Job th done. Job done. You know, uh, there are some unintentional laughs. You know, like, when you see Justin Long, like, midway trans transformed, you, it's like... You know, so I watched it with you know I watched it with my wife, and my wife was horrified, and I just started laughing. <laughs> you know, and um, it is it is horrific. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, I, again, I don't I don't know if I mean like uh, I don't know if it's the kind of movie you recommend. Yeah, but if you like fucked up cinema, then yeah, I say by all means check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm glad I saw it because it's not the kind of movie you see very often. Yeah, um, would you say would it be something like a little bit like the same feeling you have from watching Audition or something like that? I was more like, okay, Audition fucked me up more. Yeah. Uh, this one, you know, has a little bit of a sense of humor. Mm. Whereas Audition didn't have no, a sense of humor. it was bleak. It was just bleak. Um, and Audition was scary. This mm. isn't scary. This is okay. just, this is just disturbing. Mm. Uh, because it's, it's like disturbing on the same level that Red State was disturbing. You know, it's just like people are fucked up. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, America's a fucked up place. Canada's apparently pretty fucked up as well. The one thing I hated. Johnny Depp. Yes. <laughs> Guy point, right? Yes. I hated that whole section. So what? He turns up as like an investigator or something, isn't he? He turns up as um, a, a cop who's been looking for this guy. Mm -hmm. And the character Guy, Guy you know, um, Guy Lapointe mm -hmm. is based on a real guy. Right. Um, and this was a guy who was uh, investigating... Uh, the, the the you know stolen maple syrup in fucking Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Number one Which crime. in itself it would make a great film. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if if Johnny Depp based it off the real guy. If Gillapoint is actually like that, but it's such a misjudged performance. Really. For me, for me, it, it, it like every time he's on screen, it feels like a totally different film. It's like, it feels like something out of the Love Guru. Wow. Like the performance. Car carry on Canada. The performance feels like something out of a movie, like, say, like, of the Love Guru, like yeah. that kind of movie. The w and, 
and he's got this really long monologue where uh, Haley Joel Osment and um, Genesis Rodriguez, um, uh, Justin Long's girlfriend, have to listen to this guy. And you're just thinking, I would have beat the shit out of this guy like <laughs> like five minutes ago. This guy, why are you still listening to this guy talk? Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that the character has no place in the film. I mean, like, you know. It's the performance. It's the performance. It's the interpretation. It's just completely out of place. Yeah. It's like you've gone for like quite a long time of creating this bleak, disturbing atmosphere and then you have this shit, and it's like, what is this? You know, it's it. You know, it, it lost me on that. Yeah. You know, um, so that would I mean you know it's like so that that really affected my enjoyment of the film. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I can't not recommend it because it's such a niche film. Yeah. That um, it really depends on what your what your sensibilities are like. If you like if you liked audition, you should watch this. If you liked human centipede, you should watch this. If you liked red state, you should watch this. You know, but it is one thing I will say is that because um, it is funny because the the comedy is aspect is where Kevin Smith fucks up. Oh, which is weird. But he excels at the disturbing element. I mean, I won't say he excels, but he succeeds in creating a very um, atmospheric tale. Hmm. Uh, and you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm very interested to see. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith do more films like this. When he's doing Yoga Hosers, which is the two girls in the shop, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is his daughter and... It's like, I was, it was really it was really funny because, you know, I, I pointed it out. It's like, that's Kevin Smith and Johnny Depp's daughter. And she's like, you know, and she's like, uh, you know, which one is uh, Kevin Smith's daughter? I'm like, the one that doesn't look like Johnny Depp's ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> because Ke- Johnny Depp's daughter looks exactly like v- Vanessa Paradis. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, now that I think about it, they did do another podcast where the original ad someone put on Craigslist in the UK, which was, you know, occasionally you have to dress up as a walrus. It did turn out it was a spoof. It was a guy who just in his spare time, he worked in IT and he would just put spoofs together every so often. Like he right. would make, he would file in reports for the council for a rip in the space time continuum and stuff like that on his path. Yeah. And things like that. So, the, but Kevin Smith like got interviewed him and they shared the rights or whatever and he like was in the film. They had him in, they had him on set the film all that stuff. So they took that interview yeah. with him about he never thought this little joke that he just put in the newspaper would actually become this film. Yeah, and it got no box office whatsoever. Right, it <laughs> bombed huge. Bombed huge. Yeah, it it made a much bigger splash in the genre festivals. Yeah. than it did in the mainstream cinemas. And I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you watch the film and it's one of those like it's one of those movies that you're just. If you were at a genre festival and you're there to see fucked up shit, be fine. Yeah. But if you're, it's not the movie you take a date on, you know no. what I mean? But I mean, there were, he was probably hoping for some kind of crossover like with Saw and those, but it just didn't happen that way. But it's not no, it, it doesn't, it has nothing in common with those movies. Mm. Not really, you know, aside from maybe a genre. Yeah. But aside from that, there's, it has nothing in common with the Saw films, not even the first one. Oh. Cool. It actually has more in common with Audition and Human Centipede. Oh. Ah. Uh, it's not a bad company to be in. Um, I also saw Gone Girl, the yeah. new David Fincher film, Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike. Um, the lovely Rosamund Pike. The lovely Rosamund Pike. Lovely, lovely Rosamund Pike. Who I would do so many things to and for. I need to watch um, <laughs> The World's End again just because I need to just get a supercut of all the curses she doesn't say. You know, she does not curse. She's yeah, like, yeah. oh, cripes. Oh, cripes. It's a very fish. Have you ever seen an education? No, you keep she's telling me that. You, great in that. Yeah, yeah. No, she's great in everything. She's a bit slutty in that. It's good. Awesome. Mm. Um, uh, this is a film that is... Uh, it's, is it uh, Gillian Flynn or Gillian? Gillian. Yes. I don't, I don't know why, but I know this. Yeah. 
it's based on the best-selling novel by Gillian Flynn. She also wrote the screenplay. She, uh, she did an amazing job adapting her own novel. She craft services as well. Um, I mean... I, I, this is going to be a really short review because this is one of those films that it's really hard to talk about it yeah. without giving anything away. And it is one of those movies that you do want to walk in knowing as little as possible. Yeah, um, And everyone's been really good about it because I listen to an end number of podcasts talking about it and they all talk around it. But basically... Even it, Bill Burr, I had to turn him off. He's like, yeah, I'm going to ruin a movie for you now, okay? <laughs> I just saw Gone Girl at the weekend. It's, um, I mean, in a nutshell, it's about, it's about this married couple, uh, Nick and Amy Dunn. And um, Amy Dunn goes missing. And certain things happen which, you know, like, uh, n- you know, Nick Dunn is essentially this likable schmo. Yeah. You know, he's just a regular guy. Bit of a schlub. Bit of a schlub, but he's, he's, a, he's a very likable guy, likes to please people. And he comes across as this really nice guy. His wife is missing, but for some bizarre reason, all fingers seem to point to him. And there's this whole thing of like, you know, it's like, did this guy kill his wife? That's yeah. essentially the main thing about about the whole film is like, did this man kill his wife? But then uh, certain things come to light, dude. Certain things come to light, but even then it's like you don't know yeah. what's going on. And it's not so simple as like, oh, something's come to light and then you no longer suspect him. It's not as simple as that. There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. And again, it's really fucking hard. <laughs> I will say... It is a great film. Great. It's, it's a great film. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to build it up too much, you know, your expectations are too high, uh, but it's, David Fincher is the perfect director for this because what, what's great about it is that David Fincher clearly knows that the story is really strong because the movie is devoid of David Fincherisms. There's no fancy panic room shot or anything yeah. like that. David Fincher it clearly knows that the story is the star. I've heard it's kind of a melodrama, but shot in a nice way. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, of course, it's David yeah, it's Fincher. Fincher. It's, uh, it's amazingly acted. Rosamund Pike is amazing in it. Ben Affleck is amazing in it. I mean, the, the two, you know, all of the performances. Tyler Perry's amazing in it. Yeah. You know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is creepy as shit in this movie. You know, um, it's a really cool film. Impeccably cast, impeccably acted. Um, you know, it's, it's a long film, but it didn't feel long. Yeah, it's always a good thing. You know, and, uh, it's, and, you know, there's, there's this whole thing about, like, don't watch this with uh, your girlfriend yeah. or your wife because you're going to get into an argument over that. Mm. Personally, I did not feel that way. Because if you do get into an argument... You're in trouble already. Yeah. If you do get into an argument over this movie, of, I mean, like, I can understand people getting into arguments after watching Husbands and Wives. Mm. You know, but, uh, you know, watch, watching this film... If you're disagreeing over, you know, uh, who was fucked up, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you know, uh, what I do find interesting is that, is that there is this whole element of how much can you hate someone? Mm-hmm. And how justifiable is it to hate someone for certain things? There is that element to it, which is ripe for discussion. Yeah. But it's ripe for discussion even if you're not dating. So, you know, I, I would say like, don't worry about that shit. Yeah. It is the kind of movie that you discuss after. Yeah. But you, you discuss it because, mainly because when you watch this movie, you know you can't tell anyone about it. Yeah. So you have to discuss it amongst yourselves. It's like, oh, but what the fuck, you know? No but, one can but, tell you what Gun Girl is. You can only have to see it you for yourself. You see it for yourself, yeah. <laughs> you know, and th- there's, there's some shit in there that's fucking cool. And, I mean, like, everyone's raving about Rosamund Pike. And it is inc- it is extremely well deserved. But I must give credit to Ben Affleck in this film because he has, in many ways, the harder role. Mm. 
because Rosamund, you know, Rosamund Pike's role is a bit more showy. Yeah. You know, whereas he is incredibly contained. She's acting with a capital A and he's acting with a small A. Yeah. But, you know, he's, you know, like, uh, he, he has to do so much with so little. And it's very impressive. Hmm. There's one, you know, like, the one standout moment is, uh, like, the bit where he's interviewed by uh, Celia Ward. Like, a, it's kind of like this Diane, it's kind of like a Barbara Walters type of show. And the way he handles that interview is very cool. Cool. You know, and is the way like the way you handled Bill Maher? <laughs> yeah, total opposite. Of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Where he was bridling with rage. It's <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's a very 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 good film. That's a Mickey Appenfrey's recommendation. Yep, I'm gonna try and watch it soon. So I caught the Babadook. Yes, because William Freakin, director of the uh, the Exorcist, the freak the freaking director of the Exorcist. The Exorcist. Um, highly recommended. It was the scariest movie he's seen. Um, the Babadook essentially is about uh, a woman, Amelia, called, played by Essie Davis, and her son Noah. Our son, played by Noah Weisman, who's called Samuel. The fuck is that? It's the ice cream man. It's the ice cream man. <laughs> Paddle pop. <laughs> Paddle pop. It's super duper yummy. Despite. They haven't changed the fucking song since I was a kid. No, it's a different ones. They play nursery rhymes at home. Um, so yeah, this movie basically on the the son is they're on the way. The, the, the mother and the husband are on the way to the hospital um, where she's pregnant, about to give birth, and there's an accident and the father dies. Mm-hmm. She's a single mother. She works in a retirement home, and her son Sam is just fucking. He's an uncontrollable child. He's got too much energy. You know, there's like, actually, the, the scariest part of the movie is the beginning part. Mm-hmm. Because the, just the things he does, like, he's worried about monsters under the bed. There's a recurring shot of them going through the closet, under the bed, all that kind of stuff to make sure nothing's there. But he assembles weapons to keep the monsters away. Right. Like, he has a catapult, a back, backpack catapult that launches uh, cricket bats and things. Oh, and he builds a crossbow that fires darts. So he's a troubled child, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just some of the scenes of him just freaking out are... Horrifying, like uh, Essie Davis is an absolutely amazing performance because you can see her being worn down on film. You can see six years of seven years of this kid's life and the toll it has taken on her with every step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's just like he doesn't sleep, and when he can't sleep, he sleeps with her. And when he sleeps with her, he's got her in a chokehold and he grinds his teeth. So she gets no sleep, so she's just like she resents the kid. Mm-hmm. She actually resents the kid, and it's like fingernails on a chalkboard watching this kid freak out. Like, you're watching it and you're thinking, what can she do to try and calm this fucker down? The Babadook. And so, he, she asked him one night to read a book. I think he brought his crossbow into school and gets expelled. So, she uh, he gets this book. He, he picks a book off the shelf and it's The Babadook. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where did you get this? He's like, it was on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Oh, the kid, is, the kid is amazing. The kid is like... It's, it's The Babadook. It's The Babadook. <laughs> it's The Babadook at the door. Um, the kid is amazing. Like, he has a weird looking face, you know, and he's missing teeth and stuff like that. And, like, kids growing teeth in. He just looks odd, mm-hmm. but in a really cool way mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. works in the movie. Yeah. It's all very muted colors and all that stuff. Yeah. So they read this book. I mean, I've seen the trailer. I mean, like yeah. the... Uh... Similar to The Ring and Audition, it has that kind yes, of washed yes, out feel. Yes, yes, Um Set in Australia. And... Uh, what she, part of Australia? I don't know. It doesn't even say. It doesn't, it's any, you know, small town. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So they read the book and it's like, whether it's in a, in a, in a dream or in a book, you can't get rid of the Babadook. Right. And it's a pop-up book and all these little things happen. And it's a creepy looking silhouette thing. It looks a bit like, um, 
No Face from uh, what's that thing called? Spirit of the Way. You know, it's like it's, it's oh, yeah, almost yeah, yeah, a straight yeah, 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 silhouette, yeah. but with a hat and this creepy white face and these <laughs> Edward Scissorhand hands. Jesus Christ! And like, <laughs> like when they get to one page of the book, it's like you can't let him in. Don't let him in. And there's a thing of like his body stretched from the ceiling on the page down towards the child, just screaming, "Let me in!" So after she reads the book. Strange things start happening. Like there's a whole rhyme through the book, and like it's like it's three rumbles and then a noise, and there is like banging noises in the night, mm-hmm. and then you hear the ba ba dunk, dunk, dunk. and you know there's a lot of like nighttime shots of like rooms in shadow and something slightly moving and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he just starts manifesting, and the kid seems to know about the stuff as well. It's like you can't let him in, you can never let him in, and like I'll protect you, mum, if you protect me, and it becomes a kind of possession thing going on. Mm-hmm. But like the actual Babadook himself when he turns up, like these are multiple methods to 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 achieve him. You know, like sometimes he's like a, almost a shadow on the roof. Mm-hmm. Or other times he's actually just a, a person on a, a gimbal flying towards the camera with the hands outstretched. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy as fuck. But I kept expecting it to ramp that up because of William fucking freaking. And it doesn't quite go there. <laughs> right. Um, and it essentially possesses her. And well, one of the things fucking I've, I've... horrible things she does after that. Now, when it comes to the ending, they get a, the, the way the, the, the Babadook is the spell. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. I mean, it's either it's a horror movie, either everyone dies or it goes away. So whatever whatever does happen, it comes off as a kind of an ending where it just seems to dissipate a little bit, right? But with a little extra on there, and it was only we've talked before about how Gavin fucking loves comments. Wastes his life reading <laughs> comments on Ain't Cool News and stuff like that. And I went and looked at, I just Googled what the fuck was the Babadook? Because it seems to be, it's a, it's a symbol for something in the movie. And I went, found it on Reddit. Reddit is a, a site that you should get onto because it's nothing but comments. Someone posts a link and then everyone writes about it forever. Mm-hmm. And they pointed a really good point about it. And it actually, when you watch the movie and if you think about it this way, it makes perfect sense because there's little hints dropped about where the book came from that I missed in the film. Right. And the the denouement is basically kind of cements that a little bit. Right. Like it's actually more feeling about a film about her dealing with her feelings. Well, uh, that, that, like the, like the basement is where she keeps all the husband's gear, and she has never addressed that. I mean, that, that's something that I did here. Is that aside from being a horror film, what separates it from other horror films is that this one has a very strong emotional core. Yeah. Is that it actually is about you know, like loss and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And resentment and, you know, um, loss of control and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, after reading that, I did get, I was a little disappointed, but after reading that thread, it made more sense. And I was like, basically, it's smarter. This movie's smarter than I am. Cause I didn't get it. Yeah. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Cause there's, there's, when there's a reveal of like taking off the cloak of the Babadook, you see it from the Babadook's protective, so you don't see what it was. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole kind of fucked up imagery with the husband as well and stuff like that. It's beautifully shot. The sound design is amazing. Cool. Just the noises that are made in this film are horrifying and terrifying. The way that they've used a limited budget for their sets and stuff like that is great because like there's certain nooks and crannies in the house that you see all the way through and then later on someone's hiding there and you kind of like don't notice it and stuff like that. You know, it's just, it's well, really well thought out. They have the weirdest looking Department of Social Services people coming over at all times and I keep coming back to Essie Davis just looks like she's just, she's falling apart on screen. Like she's literally worn down to a nub on screen, just like the the weight of this kid going crazy all the time and kicking the back of chairs and all that shit, and not getting any sleep. Mm. They really portray what it's like when you've gone days without sleeping and just the fucked up things, the way you look and everything like that. So, really good film. Um, as I said, it didn't hit the scare button, but it did hit the clever horror movie button. Cool. So definitely worth a watch. Don't buy the fucking book. Yeah. 
The book is the book is one of the most horrifying things in it. Don't buy it. I am very tempted by it because <laughs> they show the book in the trailer. It looks badass. Yeah, I mean the book in the movie. It's not done like an effect or pull in or like that. It's just like they open it and they do the things. Right. So it seems to be a real pop up book. Like it all works. There, there is there is something I, I forgot to say in my uh, Gone Girl review is um, one of the things that like weighs down on Nick Dunn is the fact that his wife is fucking perfect. Yeah. And uh, his wife. The parents are authors of a popular children's book hmm. called Amazing Amy. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. And they, and they base and it's it all on, based on her. It's all based on her. And so it's just this whole thing when, when she goes missing and the cop's like, your wife, is a, you're married to Amazing Amy? And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so since then, I've started calling my wife Terrific Trina. Yay. Yay. What did you think of uh, Gone Girl? Oh, it was brilliant. Terrific Trina just came home. Yeah. <laughs> I, Terry's I already done his regular guest staring on the show. <laughs> I, I went into it not knowing anything, so it was it was pretty um, yeah. shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've already said like it's one of those movies that it's very difficult to review it because you can give so much away yeah. so easily. But yeah, it's I, but another thing about the film that, uh, that, that but has already been covered in a lot of reviews is that it's very much about how the media fucks you know fucks with the, the public's perception of things mm. and that's another aspect of the film that's also very very cool cool yeah okay moving on to the main review the hobbit battle of the five armies the five armies it's fucking awesome five armies battles <laughs> <laughs> you saw it as well right yeah I was, uh, supposed, I was supposed to go to a screening of another movie this morning but that got cancelled because of technical difficulties so I thought fuck it I'll go see the hobbit <laughs> so it's fresh okay I mean first of all I mean like uh, it's I love this film. I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I mean, it's just... This is all thriller, no filler. Yeah. Uh, well, there's one thing. Alfred, is that his name? The master's sidekick yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. He is... Every scene he's in is every scene, fucking awful. Yes. Every scene he's... You can get rid of that character completely. He's Tom Bombadil. Yes. There's no need for him to be in the film whatsoever. I completely agree. Fuck that guy. No. Yeah. But I think uh, I think I pointed to you the the movie Bob he does a YouTube series the the big picture yep. or whatever that yep. and he did a review of this and he's like people are complaining about the Hobbit and stretching all that stuff but that has given Peter Jackson the opportunity to just like have a huge action sequence before the actual title of the movie even appears yes because this take this, this starts directly after the last movie which if you haven't seen it fuck it spoilers it's based on an old book Smaug is on the loose. Yes, and, and he devours Lake Town. No, he doesn't die. He just burns the fucking to a crisp. You know, it burns the shit out of it. I know. I mean, it's an amazing opening sequence. And Luke Evans starts doing his arrow impression. Yes. <laughs> Basically, anyone who picks up a bow these days in a movie or TV show, because the arrow does it all the time in his yeah. TV show, you got to hold it a little bit. It's kind of like you hold the bow to kind of like feel the, the strength of it. And uh, just him firing those arrows looks badass. No, it looked really, really good. I mean, th- that that opening sequence with Smug in Lake Town is. Amazing, and Benedict Cumberbatch just talking to him. Yeah, little man. Yes, it's very cool. Just when he when he jams the two ends of the split bow into the thing, and it cuts to the sun as the arrow resting on his shoulder. Yeah, no, no, I got chills. It's so fucked it's up. Like, it's like, don't move. Yeah, no, it's Luke Evans. He's worse. Like, look at me, son. Don't move, because there's fire everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so it, it has the story. Smaug is. Uh, Exit screen left pretty early in the in the show. Yes, and then it's all down to Thorin going slowly mad. Yeah, uh, Richard Armitage is doing a great job of that. Tolkien basically, uh, Tolkien's whole thing is like, if there's a jewel and it's a jewel that you 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 really like, it will drive you mad. Yeah, it's cursed. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of thing, and um, 
And so they, they uh, Thorin, he takes control of the Lonely Mountain and barricades... Of the Kingdom of Erebor. Barricades himself and the rest of the dwarves at... And Bilbo, it's the sober one who does it. <laughs> we have spillage. And Bil- yeah, they barricade themselves in the in the in the Misty Mountain. And uh, meanwhile, all the uh, refugees from Lake Town are re- retreating to the, the city of Dale, which was right beside Erebor, which is where the humans lived outside Erebor to trade with the dwarves. And uh, they all that, that was that town was the first trash when Smaug arrived. And um, I went to the bathroom because it's the battle of the two two piss breaks. Um, you went to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom. Man. And did you go? <laughs> I drank a lot of water. Um, wh- when uh, Thranduil turns up, yeah. I, I thought it was a, just going to be a scene of Luke Evans talking to people at night. But he turns up at night, right? With his army. Who? Thranduil. No, no, he turns up in the day. In the day, so just the night shot, and then he just turns up. And it's like, oh shit, because I just when I came back, he was already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's how it is. Yeah, it's he like just appears. no, no, because uh, that that fucking idiot Alfred motherfucker. You know, he's supposed to be the night watch, right? Oh yes. And then they wake up in the morning, and then it's like oh, coming so, elves. So how was it? And it's like nah, nothing got nothing got past me. And then they go out, just an army of elves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I missed that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. There was an army of elves there, and so, but the only thing that kind of like weirded me out about that is. Um, you know, Thranduil's ride is totally digital. Yeah. And it look, I mean, it looks cool, but yeah. it's like, you know that... You know There's a very... Like- the, the Rings movie have a very particular sheen on their CGI, right? This kind of golden hour thing that yeah. they have going on a lot to kind of capture that kind of golden age of elves kind of thing. Yeah. It does get a bit wearing at times. I mean, I was... I, I get weirded out by these movies because they don't have the... Music playing when it says Wingnut Films. Yes, it yes. doesn't do the Lord of the Rings thing like the Lord of the Rings did. Which they change it a bit, huh? Which it should, maybe. You know, I mean, mm. I mean, it's they they they're very they're, they're very selective about when they bring that in, and yeah. it's all and it's when it's when it comes to that connective tissue. Yeah. Um. I mean, I loved the uh, the sequence with uh, Galadriel and um, Saruman and and uh, fucking Gandalf. And, uh, Gandalf and, and he who shall not be named, and the the, the, the nine, yeah. Nazgul. Yes, you know that was very cool. That that was probably the the best, mo- most effective connective tissue to Lord of the Rings than some of the stuff that happens at the end. There's a there's a conversation between Legolas and Thranduil, which is pointless. Yes, it's yes. like you need to go see this guy, right? Yeah, this guy. You're gonna you're gonna see him at some point. His dad was kind of cool. That was that was lame. That was incredibly lame because yeah. Legolas doesn't meet Aragorn till way the fuck later, right? No, but he but he knows who he is, and you know he in Lord of the Rings when they meet, he's like, "Hey, bro, what's up?" They don't fist bump. They don't fist bump, but he's very very much aware of him. Maybe. Um, uh, but, but that that to me was a very effective connective tissue. Yeah. You know when you know that thing, and I'm not giving anything away. This is in the trailer. You know where where Saruman's like, you know. Where leave Sauron to me. We all know what yeah, happened. I don't there. know if it was a spoof or not, but someone said that um, Christopher Lee did his own stuff because he's a jujitsu belt. Is that a joke or? <laughs> I think he might have. I remember hearing something about this. It seemed familiar from him doing jujitsu before, but like he's an old dude. I don't think he was doing all that shit. Well, he's got a death metal band, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He's like you know, the death metal Christmas songs. Or yeah, something yeah. Like so you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't count Christopher Lee. I wouldn't count Scatamanga out of anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, I will deal with Sauron. With Sauron. Yes, but... I, hint, 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 hint. Yes. But, uh, I mean, to me, it was just like, this movie was all payoff. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that, that's what I loved about it. You know, it's like, we, you know, we've bitched about the fact that it's three films and all that. But having said that, you know, I, 
I've enjoyed the I've enjoyed the Hobbit series. I, I you fucking love the first one. No, I love the first one. You're I, singing I mean, the fucking song all the time. I know. I mean, like I, I enjoyed the second one as well. I just hated the fact that you know I had to wait a year to see the yeah. damn thing over. That was my main issue with it. I and I felt there were elements of padding in some of them. I think. Yeah, you know. Whereas this one is like war, war exactly. You know, and and it has it. Hits. Although I'd have to say, you know, there's the conversation between Thorin and uh, Bard the Bowman through the hole in the wall, and he kind of comes into like, "Hello." Like, yeah. there's so many like memes are going to be made of that picture of him. Yeah. Like, and when he when he leaves the hole, he's like, <laughs> kind of no, slides. I know, I know. I know. He, does it, he pulls a face and he slides out of view. It's like, yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit weird. It is slightly, but I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I, I was it, totally. it, it didn't bug me. It didn't bug me at all. There's I mean, a couple it, of scenes I laughed out loud. Was the only, we were only like 10 people in the cinema. It's like so. the, only, the only thing that bugged me was that fucking Alfred guy. Yeah. That was the really my, my main complaint. Mr. Monobrow. You could have gotten rid of that entire character and the, the, the movie would never... Yeah. You, you know, you wouldn't know any better. Yeah. Um, he's, but, he's, he's Lord of the Rings Jar Jar. And the, uh, the romantic angle with Toriel and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Keeley did not bug me this time. No. It, it kind of felt a little forced in the second one. Whereas this one, it didn't bug me at all. It actually felt very real. And a lot of the emotional payoff. I mean, Evangeline did a great, great, great job. Yeah. Man, yeah. I, a lot of the emotional payoff for someone who's not in the books. And she came off really, really cool. And uh, and another thing, like, when you're staging a battle of this size, and this battle is huge. There's an army of dwarves. It's and like, it looks metal. They're like the most metal like, thing ever. It's like, it, it's dwarves, it's orcs, it's men, it's fucking, you know, it's... Eagles! It's, it's eagles. You know, but the... the the thing that's most amazing about it is that Peter Jackson understands the geography of, you know, of the, you know he under, he he understands how to make the geography very um, easy to see, easy to understand. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier on, where there's a few sweeping passes, and it like it shows you where the battle will be before it even starts, and yeah. there's a. Uh, you know, you got Dale here. They do a couple of shots from a different angle, so you get a good idea yeah. of where everything is. And also, uh, that I mean, said, uh, the tower that Azog worked on kind of popped out of nowhere for me. All of a sudden, it's yeah. like, oh, it's a tower. <laughs> yeah. But and and I really just you know like a, I remember reading in interviews where Peter Jackson was saying one of the things that he was working on is that he really wants to try and put you right in the, right in the battle. Yeah. And you feel it. I mean, there are yeah. some there are some bits in there where it's like you really do feel like you're in the middle of that. And it's it's very very cool, you know. I mean, there you there's, there's a lot of fuck yeah moments. You know when the dwarves form the flanks, yeah, and then the and elves, then the elves just pop yeah, that shit over, yeah, and, yeah. Just, and they're all those elves working in unison, doing the same movements every yeah. time. It yeah, just looks so badass. It, just, it just looks amazing. It brought you know a tear I mean? to my eye. That moment is like this is awesome. Actually, <laughs> there's a couple of moments where I was like, this is so badass. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the the fight sequence, like the fight, the, you know, between. Um, you know, Azog and Thorin, it's it's a it's a kick-ass fight. That whole, even the lead-up to that set piece where they walk out on the ice and there's smoke blowing across it, like, they bring the battle down to a small scale beautifully. Yeah. And Philly and Killy scurry across that ice and that ice fight and, you know, you've got... Like, again, everything's very clear what's going on. That said, I did find a few niggling little consist- inconsistencies that bug me. Like, Galadriel picks up Gandalf, carries him for, like, 30 meters and then all of a sudden she's tired. Yeah. Um, And I actually got lost between... I thought it was Killy fighting Azog for a couple of seconds and yeah. I never even saw how Thorin's sword got broke oh yeah because he's a short sword at one yeah, point yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I yeah. couldn't figure that out at all and what I found incredibly distracting was Billy Connolly's character of Dane mm. because he was full CG and I got full on Jeff Bridges Tron face yeah. it, it was really distracting I found that horrifyingly bad although he's got a great pig yeah War pig. Well, the war pigs are awesome. And war goats. Yeah. <laughs> Those goats came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, the heroes are on goats. But that moment where the battle turns, mm-hmm. you're thinking, there's what? 
there's 13 dwarves? Yeah. 13? Yeah, 14 chairs by elbows. There's 13 dwarves, and you're thinking, what can they do? It's like, they're rallying, the, the, the dwarves are rallying. Yeah. Rallying to their kings, like, yes! <laughs> it's so good! Uh, no, it's, it was a fitting conclusion. Yeah. And it is, it is easily the best of the three. Yeah. There's just, there's so many, like it is, it's a fight movie. Yeah, it's a fight movie. And there's it's just, I mean, film. I have to say, Azog is, I mean, that, what really bugged me about Billy Connolly character of Dane was that Azog and uh, Bolg were so well realized. Yeah. Like, I think there's one or two points they might have gone for a full, like, model or pu- puppet for yeah. Azog in the close-up shots. Yeah. But even when it's CG, you can see the, you can feel the skin almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's a really fully realized character. And that scene, there's that shot where he's standing there waiting mm-hmm. for Thorin yeah. on the, on the ice. And yeah. the sun is behind him and it's like, screensaver! Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's so many beautiful moments in the film, and uh, Martin Freeman just owns that role. I mean, yeah. he is Bilbo Baggins. There's you know? the little head nods and things that he does it in Sherlock, he does it in this, and in this, it's pure Bilbo. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it should be annoying. It should be ticks that get on your nerves, but they never do because it's fucking Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. He's he's. Really great, and I mean the whole thing with the Arkenstone, what's going on there, and him sneaking in and out and stuff like that is great. Yeah. And the whole little, but all, I mean all that's from the book. Yeah, and yeah. the little, the little, uh, the little interplay with Gandalf over is like, yeah, magic rings are not to be trifled with. Yeah. What? It's, uh, yeah, no, don't take me for a fool. <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful moment with the pipe. Yes, there's, very, this, there's very this little nice. moment of just post post war, post war yeah. sit down and just to show things have not changed that much. Just Gandalf fucking with his pipe. They don't, nothing is said. Yeah, nothing is said. Beautiful. Or even the dwarves taking a knee. Yeah, at the end there. But just that idea of setting it on the ice was just a really great idea. I really, I think Lee Pace doesn't get enough uh, kudos because he's always looking funny. Yeah, like he was funny as Ronan the Accuser, but the 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 acting chops it takes to pull off that face when yep. um, what's his name, Peter Quill is dancing yep. at the end and he's holding the the hammer and he goes huh. No, I mean, hey, I, I like Lee Pace. I love the great pushing I, I think he does a very good job as as, as Thranduil. I, I love his voice. He's got when an he amazing comes, voice. Yes, and when he comes off the elk yeah. and does the role, and you, you don't, they don't even do a full... For Legolas, they do it a few times where he's pulling out the swords. It's always the exact same shot when he pulls the swords off. Yeah. The camera's about chest height looking up at him, and he's like, hey, it's go time. Yeah. Thranduil just comes off, and he's just like kneeling. He's, he's on the ground because, you know... Elves don't trip, motherfucker. They're like no. cats. <laughs> and it, even you see when he lands, it could have been a cool shot. We just He's like this. His sword is over his shoulder, ready to go into action. Yep. And he spends most of the movie walking around with orc blood in his face. Yeah. And it just looks cool. Yeah. No, it's very cool. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I mean, I know some people have issues with it, but, you know, fuck it. You know, it's like... The, the, way, the way I see it is the people who have issues with it had issues with it before they even saw it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so whatever it is. I mean, like, it's over now. Yeah. And all the trolls and orcs are Yeah, it's hilarious. over. Peter Jackson can now... Do something else. Do something else, you know, and uh, I... Because he does not have the rights to Silmarillion, so we can't do that. I'm very excited to see what he does next. I understand that he wants to uh, focus on some uh, more... New Zealand based stories like some quieter New Zealand based stories and more I'm, ads for New Zealand Airlines yeah I'm very excited to see what he's got next I mean yeah. I think he's he's probably taking a fucking break <laughs> <laughs> he's probably taking a fucking break he's gonna go home and sit in his hobbit house and go I'm sick of this shit <laughs> you know I think he's done all he can do with with uh, with this genre you know but was I missing something about the whole Galadriel, Galadriel using the power of her elven ring to dispel Sauron right like because the elves broke yeah. 
the hold of the one ring over them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, that was one thing that enigled me as well. The Nazgul. I did not like the effect they used for them at all. Yeah, yeah. The kind of shimmery thing. I did like uh, Elrond's name, you know. You should have said dead. I mean, mm-hmm. what's his name? Hugo Weaving is yeah. just like badass. Hello. It's like, I did not... I am not alone. It's like, hello, I'm a badass. Hey! 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 You lie, people. I'm going to cut your livers out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so what? He, she banished them to the... To be an eye? <laughs> when she went all weird? Dunno. 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 Yeah. But yes, do go see it. Yeah, definitely. Well, well worth it. And I saw it in normal vision in a relatively small cinema and I enjoyed it, I think, more than I would have in IMAX or anything else like that. Did you see it in 3D or what? I saw it in uh, 3D IMAX. How was that? Great. Yeah? Was yeah. there much towards the camera stuff? No, no, not really. Yeah. Not really. It was all depth? Yeah. Was it, HF- it wasn't HF4 because IMAX. No, no, no. no. I, 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 I am going to see it again in the high frame rate. Yeah. I did see there's a guy I used to work with called Sillard and he did post on his Facebook post like you know saw the Hobbit you know wasn't quite as blown as away as I was as I you know thought I would be but still a very enjoyable end to the series now to see it three more times <laughs> like he had actually seen it on a, one night and he was going again to see it again the same night he was going to see it again the following day no, no, he no, loves I'm, it that much no I mean I'm not I'm not that crazy I, I do want to see it in high frame rate because I saw the first two in high frame rate mm. and I just want to watch this one high did frame IMAX rate. have the subtitles burned in yes there were like texts they were like Lord of the Rings font yeah yeah because it didn't have the same for the last two here whenever anyone speaks Elvish the uh, there was no English subtitles they finally fixed that problem yeah yeah, yeah. and they were in, a, in huge font and it's good because they, they, they talk a lot yeah they always do well that ends our, our show if you uh, like us please leave us a review on the iTunes that helps us out with regards to uh, appearing higher in the iTunes charts so we start with the Malaysian box office top 10. At number 10, The Pyramid. Number 9, The Penguins of Madagascar. Kowalski. Number 8, Ophelia. Number 7, Paddington. Getting rave reviews. Yep. I was going to see that, but I thought, fuck that noise. Number 6, Big Hero 6. Number 5, Gangster Payday. Number 4, Manisinha, Manisinha Cinta di Capodaccia. Ch- yeah. Number 3, Night of the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. Number 2, Linga. Number 1, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. I just spit all on my laptop. And in the US, number 10... PK. Number nine, Penguins of Madagascar. Number eight, Big Hero 6. Number seven, Top 5. Number six, Wild. Number five, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. Well, that's totally dropped out in here. Mm, number four, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Number three, Annie. Number two, Night of the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. And at number one, it's The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We will catch you again soon. Merry Goodbye. Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yup. Yup. Hey. Hey.